Hello and welcome to Living Life. My name is Pastor Jonathan and I'm here to share the word with you. Around 400 BC, ancient Greek playwright Sophocles uh, was quoted to have written these words, the end excuses any evil. The end excuses any evil. Uh, later, 400 years after, Roman philosopher Ovid is quoted to have written Exitus Acta Probat. The result justifies the deed. The basic premise is a modern English expression we have today is the ends justify the means. In other words, we, if we have a goal and you're aiming to get to the goal, you can do anything, whether it's ethically moral, immoral or unrighteous. You can do it as long as you get to your goal. The goal is the most important matter. Unfortunately, we see in today's scripture that King David took on this mindset. He, had to, he was planning on moving the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark which is symbolic of the very presence of God. And he was moving it from a place about 15 kilometers away, Kiriath Yarim, and he was moving it to Jerusalem. Unfortunately, the Ark could only be moved in a certain way as prescribed by God in the Law of Moses but he chose to move it in a different way. And the problem resulted with one of his men named Uzzah paying the price. And as we read today, as we read today's passage, we'll begin to see how God works through sometimes rebellious hearts to redeem those broken hearts and redeem his creation. And we'll see that as we discover in today's passage. First Chronicles chapter 15, verses 1 through 15. After David had constructed buildings for himself in the city of David, he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God, because the Lord chose them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. David assembled all Israel in Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. He called together the descendants of Aaron and the Levites. From the descendants of Kohath, Uriel, the leader, and 120 relatives. From the descendants of Merari, Asaiah, the leader, and 220 relatives. From the descendants of Gershon, Joel, the leader, and 130 relatives. From the descendants of Aziaphan, Shemaiah, the leader, and 200 relatives. From the descendants of Hebron, Eliel, the leader, and 80 relatives. From the descendants of Uziel, Aminadab, the leader, and 112 relatives. Then David summoned Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, and Uriel, Asaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Aminadab, the Levites. He said to them, You are the heads of the Levitical families. You and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves and bring up the Ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. It was because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. 
So the priests and Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the Ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the Ark of God with the poles on their shoulders, as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. Welcome back to Living Life. Today's passage is a continuation of what was covered maybe a few days ago in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. In that account, we see the first attempt of King David to move the ark from Kiriath Yarim to Jerusalem. And as we, as we saw several weeks or several days before, it ended very, very unsuccessfully with one of his men actually paying the price with his life. In this account though, with chapter 15, uh, chapter 13, it ends kind of confusing with David, uh, it ends kind of on a cliffhanger with David being a little bit confused. Uh, scripture explicitly says that he was uh, angry with God and he was afraid. So these are two very, very strong emotions. And, uh, you know, whenever something goes wrong in my own life, I notice I need some time to pause and to reflect and kind of begin to examine where exactly did I go wrong? And this uh, second account, which is taking place here in 1 Chronicles 15 that we just read, is taking place about three months after the first incident. So David has some good soul-searching time to examine his heart, to examine where he was with God, and examine why did what happened actually happen. Wasn't it a good thing when I was bringing the ark back home to its place in Jerusalem? So David's coming with a lot of questions, and after soul-searching, I think he has two major responses. The first, in response to his anger, is realizing, perhaps, that he was experiencing a little bit of humiliation. You know, it's a very common expression that men have a lot of pride, and I don't think David was exempt from this. You see, David had just become king. Moving the ark from Kiryath Yarim to Jerusalem was one of his very, very first missions as king. And as we can see in scripture, it was a very, very unsuccessful mission. It says in scripture that he gathered all of Israel and he, he talked with the commanders and then he said, if it is right in your eyes, let us move the ark to Jerusalem. And all the people agreed. And it said in scripture that, and it said, um, uh, it was right in the eyes of all the people. The challenge though is, sometimes what's right in the eyes of all people is not exactly right in the eyes of God. And that's where there was a little bit of a conflict. You see, and sometimes it's unfortunate, but Christianity can sometimes be tied up with religious tones. And I think David was a unknowing, perhaps victim of the same mentality. He was thinking, oh, as a, uh, a, as a man after God's heart and as a king, I should probably bring the very, very symbolic ark back to Jerusalem. But nowhere in the initial description in chapter 13 does it show that David checked on God's heart. So it's very interesting that this first move involves David using all the wrong methodologies to move the ark, and we see it ending very, very unsuccessfully. So in some ways, we have, to, we have to question ourselves is, sometimes in the work that we're doing, are we really building God's kingdom? Or sometimes, are we pursuing our own? The second element for David is he was afraid. The first one was he was angry. The second one, he was afraid. What was he afraid of? 
And I think there's this interesting twist is David had a moment where he recognized that he was in the very presence of God. We see in scripture that whenever people encounter the presence of God, that they're blown away, that they're shocked, they fall onto their face. We see the account with John in Revelations, even though he walked with Jesus, when he encounters Jesus again in Revelation, it says he fell to his feet like a dead man. It's not a very uh, bold image of John just walking around. It's, it's this very humble recognition that God is so holy and God is so sovereign. I think David has this one moment where he realizes that God is not as, uh, as low and as close to him as he had originally thought. God is actually sovereign. He's holy. He's lifted high. So it's interesting that today in this generation, we have a tendency to kind of treat God a little bit more familiarly. We sing songs like, Jesus, you are my best friend. Uh, we have songs that tend to bring God down to our level so we can relate to Him better. But the strength of that approach is sometimes we realize that God becomes more relatable. The problem is we sometimes lose sight of how holy God is. And I think David has that moment to realize that God is truly holy. And then we are here at the second attempt. David begins by uh, following and by preparing a place for the ark. He initially creates a space for the ark before he even goes to move the ark. And then he commands all of the priests to consecrate themselves, to set themselves apart, to be ritually clean so that they could move the ark. It's a very, very different approach from the very first Chronicles 13 where they just decided to just abruptly go and pick up the ark. So in this case, there's a holy reverence with how they approach the ark. So today for us, do we prepare ourselves internally when we come to worship the Lord? Do we prepare ourselves both in our outer as well as our inner heart condition when we come to meet with the Lord? And perhaps that's a good challenge for us as we, as we examine this today's living life. We began this living life with a quote, the end excuses any evil. But as we can see, God is not okay with us getting to the goal by missing the right steps. In other words, doing evil or misappropriating God's heart on the process to get to God's heart. So we see how he corrected David and he gave David a chance to repent and to return and to come back with a restored heart. And we see that later in scripture too with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John chapter 14, verse 6. And in that verse, he clearly says he is the only way to the goal, which is the right relationship with God. So today, as we reflect on this word, I pray that these words of John chapter 14, 6, as well as today's living life, would really resound with you and that you would really begin to see to get to God and to be in a right relationship with God, the only way that God has allowed and the only pathway that God has created is in Jesus. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the method by which you have provided and the only method by which we can be restored into a right relationship with you. 
thank you for your son, Jesus. May he become nearer and sweeter to us today as we live and walk out our lives today. In your most holy and precious name we pray. Amen. For a single soul, reaching a further and stepping in closer, see Jesus.